0: Well, what are these cosmic powers? What does this present darkness look like? Who are the spiritual forces of evil? Is it obvious demonic possession? Is it in the signs and symbols covertly shown in shows, on children's toys, by celebrities, in music videos? What about the seemingly innocent things? Yoga, Enneagram, self-help? What role do the New Age and modern-day witchcraft play here? And. How focused should Christians be on this? Is it possible to be too careful, too paranoid? How does the goodness of God, the gospel of Christ, help us discern in a healthy way between good and evil, the things of God and the things of Satan? Well, we will get into all of this today, episode 666 of Relatable, with the hosts of Cultish, Jeremiah Roberts and Andrew Sondkrant. Their podcast explores the impacts of Colts from a theological, sociological, and psychological perspective. If you haven't listened to their podcast, I highly recommend it. They've got a lot of insight into this realm today. You are going to love it. As always, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie for a discount. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. Jeremiah, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Jeremiah, if you could tell us a little bit about Cultish and why you guys started this podcast. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely, and, and thank you so much for having us on. So Cultish started roughly about four years ago, and it came as a byproduct of the church that we attend. You've had uh, Jeff Durbin on your show before. Uh, he is our pastor, and he also oversees the studio that we are a part of. We've had a long extended history of just doing outreach and ministry to the world of the cults, and so Jeff had the idea a couple years ago about having a minist- ministry section of our church that was strictly focused on outreach to the cults. And cultish came out as a byproduct of that, wow. and it's been amazing. We've covered a lot of uh, broad variety of topics, everything from uh, different aspects of the New Age, the occult that we're going to talk about today, uh, everything from Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, uh, Mormonism, uh, just a broad variety of topics. So it's been a real, it's just been amazing so far. All the be- all the people we've been able to talk to.
0: Andrew, tell me a little bit about Cultish. What have you loved about it as it has developed as a podcast, as all podcasts do? Is there anything that you have learned in your time of studying and talking about cults?
2: Yeah, what I love most about Cultish is when we get those messages from people who tell us that they have come out of a cult or that Cultish uh, in some way has helped them actually notice that they're in a cult and then they get out because as the late and great Dr. Walter Martin said, he says, I, I love you. You're in a cult. I want you out of it and with Christ. So that's the main purpose is for people to come out of these false assemblies and come into a relationship with the true and living God, who is Jesus Christ, the eternal God who took on flesh and died on the cross for our sins. So within all the research that I've done for cultish, what I find the most amazing is the fact that the Bible right? Is our sole infallible rule of faith and practice. We have it all in the word of God. And when you look in research and go to cults or uh, many other false beliefs is that there's always some type of external standard that they have to rely on other than the Bible, but they always, these standards always fall short, right? Like the Bible has all the answers that we need in order to have peace with God through our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I think that's the most beautiful thing for me is actually through cultish. I've even developed a more personal relationship with the Lord uh, throughout cultish. So I think that's a, an amazing thing.
0: And Andrew, is that the technical definition of a cult, what you just described? Or are there so, some other aspects of it that people could kind of look at and recognize, oh yeah, those are the telltale signs of a cult?
2: Absolutely. So there, there's a there's two different ways to look at it. Uh, we like to go through Dr. Walter Martin's definition of a cult, which is uh, any group or person central central leader who has a misinterpretation of Jesus Christ and the Bible. But there's also other ways to look at it in terms of we can go to secular uh, people like Steve Hassan or Hassan, however you want to pronounce his last name, but we can think of the bite model, behavior control, uh, information control, thought control and emotional control. So yeah, we can true. look at certain groups and situations situations to how information is being fed to them, whether it be through one central uh, leader or organization that is controlling those aspects of their lives, which is typically uh, manipulation for a person to not think for themselves, but to actually replace their personal identity with the identity of their leader. Whereas in uh, with Christianity, biblical Christianity, we can actually know truly who ourselves are through the right relationship of Jesus Christ, because it takes us from a fallen state in Adam to a relationship with God, in which now that we can actually understand what it means to be human and to how to think biblically and to think critically around about the world around us. Whereas cults don't allow you to think critically; uh, you actually just have to, you know, obey without question.
0: Hmm. And Jeremiah, what is the difference between? A cult in a cult. occult. O C C U L T.
1: Right. So, Walter Martin, uh, we mentioned he was the original Bible answer man. He was somebody that really laid a pioneer. He really pioneered uh, Christian apologetics in regards to cult, the cults and the occult. So, two of his books I'd recommend uh, one is Kingdom of the Cults, and there's another book kingdom of the occult. And so again, uh, Andrew's definition is is the one that we had write to, just usually you would have a charismatic figure or an organization centralized around a misinterpretation of the Bible and ultimately a misinterpretation of who Jesus Christ is. But as far as the occult goes, that really comes from the Latin definition uh, occultus, which really just means secret, uh, hidden things. And so when you look at the world of the occult, what you're looking at is really ancient, the mythology of the ancient world uh, re- and so a lot of times when it's repackaged that's the definition for the new age but usually it's different spiritual practices whether you ha- whether it's transcendental meditation uh, practicing with tarot cards uh, yoga playing with ouija boards it's a lot of v- broad variety of spiritual practice but the purpose of the Yaw cult is to be able to access or tap into spiritual dimensions to be able to attain secret esoteric hidden knowledge and there's a, the God is very uh, explicit about saying, do not answer into those dimensions because it's spiritually dangerous one for yourself, but you don't have control over what comes out from the other side. And if we've been able to interview extensive people who have uh, people with extensive backgrounds in the new Age, people like Doreen Virtue, Mm -hmm. Uh, we've had other people who are involved in Burning Man uh, and a lot of other strange spiritual practices, and they've been able to share their experiences that really affirm what Scripture says about uh, the heavenly places, because the Bible is a dimensional uh, book, both physical and spiritual.
0: Yeah, Andrew, do you have anything to add to that?
2: oh no uh yeah absolutely i'd have to just uh second with jeremiah here is that we have uh magic divination sorcery condemned in the bible in deuteronomy chapter 18 it says there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering anyone who practice divination or tells fortunes or interpret omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. Whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. See how God actually puts this on the same level as child sacrifice, which is extremely interesting. But we can also think of sorcery, uh, divination, magic, the occult in a way to manipulate or get a one-uppance in the world through supernatural means, uh, typically through objects and tools like incantations, spells, rites, rituals, uh, etc. Just add on to that a little bit.
0: So there's this interesting article from Vice, and it's not brand new, but it's still recent. And um, it's titled Manifesting is Gen Z's Answer to New Age Spirituality. And apparently, this is a trend on TikTok. And so there are a lot of videos about conjuring up someone from your past or making money, you know, manifesting a certain type of success, manifesting in the shower, because water is a powerful medium to help you shift your timeline. And Mm -hmm. they mostly focus on having everything. And then there was another report very similar from the National Catholic Reporter saying that they are, or Gen Z is really, Embracing things like tarot cards in exchange for traditional faith. And, you know, I think a lot of people see that and they're like, oh, yeah, that's witchcraft. That's bad. But it really reminds me also of a lot of what is in kind of self help for women, kind of manifesting the life that you want and like thinking and believing something to be true so that it comes true in your life, whether it's a relationship losing weight health wealth those kinds of things and so it seems like this is a little bit more ubiquitous than maybe what we've traditionally thought of when we think about the occult like just crazy kind of witches and their, Mm -hmm. you know in 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 their little what is it a coven um you know casting spells on people it's kind of like within pop culture now it's all over tiktok i mean jeremiah what do you think about that
1: yeah, so first of all, if you when you just think about the world of TikTok, so one of the trending hashtags on TikTok is witch talk and the amount of views individual pieces of content uh, just under the hashtag witch talk is just a little over 30 billion. That's how much content just in that one hashtag alone. So what I want to just do real quickly is that a lot of times when we're looking at something like the occult, the new age, it's very easy to sensationalize it. We're usually we're usually viewing that through the lens of a television show like Stranger Things or you're looking at these articles or these extreme examples. And we tend to look at all these issues separately when they're really symptoms of something a lot larger. So I believe that right now, given where we are, and I I think it's related to a Lot of what you talk about on your show, Allie, is that we are kind of, we are currently uh, transitioning, sort of going through a a spiritual great reset of sorts, going from a Judeo Christian society to a neo paganism, a neo pagan postmodern society. And it, when uh, the Apostle Paul, he was dealing with a very similar environment when he was going out, uh, talking to all and administering to all of the different pagan worlds and uh, uh, of his time and, pag- and pagan worldviews. And he gives something that's very specific. He talks about the contrast of two worldviews. There's one and then there's twoism. And so one is a worldview that says that all is one— all is self. There's no distinction between creator and creation. Mm-hmm. Then you versus the biblical worldview, which is twoism, where there's a distinction between the creator and the creation. And so in Romans chapter one, Paul is giving his whole thesis on paganism in the ancient world. And one of the things that he talks about is that there once this happens, there's a whole process. People exchange the truth of God for a lie, and then they end up worshiping the creator. I'm I'm sorry they end up worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Mm-hmm. And then as an immediate byproduct of that, God gives them over to a, a debased mind and then you see an immediate distortion of God's created order of the masculine and feminine. And so what you're really looking at is just a just a the conflict of worldviews between oneism, twoism, as as we look into all of that. So I think that's very, very important to unravel because that actually ties right in uh, with the con the conversation too, just about feminism, the cultural zeitgeist and what the appeal is of the new ways, because we're caught we're in the middle of that right now. Andrew, did you did you have anything you wanted to add to that?
2: Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing to understand is that there is nothing new under the sun, right? When we think of self help self-care or even time to understand yourself or this type of manifestation that goes on. I mean, I came out of corporate America. I'm full-time ministry right now. I mean, it's even in our corporations. There's been this idea that you can separate these things from worldview. I think it's a very uh, atheistic form of thinking, thinking that there is no God in general, but you can do these practices without understanding the worldview that's behind them. Of course, we have people who come into these practices coming from uh, maybe coming from abused situations in churches or people who have atheistic parents now searching for spirituality. Uh, But what's really important to understand is there is actually a worldview behind uh, this whole self-help manifestation culture. And it's not nothing new under the sun. It goes Mm -hmm. back to even ancient Egyptian uh, religion, Babylonian Religion, it's it's hermetic philosophy in general, but most people who practice these things don't actually understand the history behind it.
0: All right, quick pause to tell you about my first sponsor for the day. This is a company that is near and dear to my heart, not just because of the awesome clothes they sell, but just because of who they are, their mission, their values, what they stand for. That is Carly Jean Los Angeles. It's a family business that was created for women to help simplify our lives in a way that is easy, beautiful, and comfortable. I love their clothes. I'm actually wearing their jeans right now. I'm always wearing Carly Jean jeans because they fit so well. And look, that's tough. Let me just tell you guys, I gained 60 pounds both times pregnancy. I talked to some sweet lady the other day that told me she gained 16 pounds in pregnancy and I was like God bless you. I wonder what that's like. I gained 60 pounds with pregnancy. I'm just going to be honest. I still haven't lost all the weight that I want to since my last pregnancy. I would love to lose another 10 pounds. And that can be tough. Like when you haven't lost all the weight that you want to lose after pregnancy to feel confident in the clothes that you're wearing. That's why I love Carly Jean Los Angeles because their clothes make me feel comfortable and confident, even if I'm not quite as fit as I one day hope to be again. I mean, it's such a blessing. To be able to find clothes that you really like, that fit really well in so many stages of life, and that make you feel really good. When you have them on, that's what Carly Jean Los Angeles does for me. It can do it for you too. I love their stuff. Also, they're a pro-life company. They are uh, run by a Christian. And so you can feel good about supporting them with your dollars. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, promo code Allie B for 20% off. That's com promo code Ali B for 20% off, always free shipping over $100, com. Andrew, I got a lot of questions from people when I asked what, you know, what questions do you have about the occult and even demonic activity? And one mm-hmm. question that I got over and over again was how much stock should we Give to symbols and to signs that seem to be secretly portrayed in music videos or by certain celebrities or politicians. I mean, I know this. I think this typically happens more on the right than the left. I mean, I know people whose whole Instagram accounts are dedicated to kind of seeking out these different symbols, whether it's the seeing eye or whether it's an owl. I mean, things I've never heard of before. Or they'll claim that certain color combinations are demonic and kind of signal like worship of Satan. So like how concerned should people be about these certain signs, whether it's on their children's toys or like the people they follow? Is there any credibility to that whatsoever? Is there any truth to it?
2: Right, right. So this is the way I would like to think about it. First, first uh, I would like to say, if you're a Christian, uh, regardless if you're a Christian or not, Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So your first actual thought should be on Jesus and who he is. So Colossians chapter two says this, and I'm going to read this, uh, chapter two, verses eight through 15. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, the f- Wholeness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority in him. Also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Continuing on, it states, and and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing to the cross. And here's the clincher. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame Mm -hmm. by triumphing over them in him. So first you need to set your relationship on Christ, not focus too much on signs and symbols. Christ has already conquered over them. If these things take you, or really take you away from your relationship uh, with Christ, you are falling prey to the elemental spirits of the world. None of these things can stop Christ and his kingdom from uh, continuing to grow, number one. But there are things that people dwell on specifically when looking at signs and symbols. I would say don't focus too much on those things, but look at the worldview that's being propagated from these sources. If the music that your children is listening to is uh, leading them to debauchery, there's a reason why, right? Take them away from it. I try not to find uh meaning in signs and symbols through the things around me, but instead focus on Christ and what God's wor- word says, how we can separate, uh, the bad from the good, with regards to morality being, you know, an objective standard that we have through the the Word of God, really.
0: Right, right. And uh, Jeremiah, do you have anything to add to that about signs and symbols?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the world of the occult, I mean, you look, you have all the different signs. You have the all-seeing eye. You have people that are covering one eye to, to doing some sort of Illuminati sign, and. and I think there is a lot of shortcomings when it comes to trying to use the when it's pin the pin the Masonic sign or pin the symbol on somebody and to say, Oh, this is this, like they're they're believing this or teaching this because what you're actually doing is those symbols come from a worldview where it's all looking into secret, uh, esoteric. Hidden knowledge, and so I think there is a danger when you try and mirror that exact worldview of uh, esoteric, secretive uh, knowledge, because when you look at the uh, the Christian worldview, it's a it's it's an open ministry. That was the contrast between Christianity and even all the Gnostic religions of the earlier days. People were always trying to say, No, I have the secret hidden knowledge that you need to look to me to where Mm -hmm. in the, where in contrast, you just said everything that I've done openly, I've always taught openly in public in the synagogues. In synagogues, I've done nothing in secret. And that's what every single cult does. That's what the realm of the occult does. They always revel in secret, hidden, private, esoteric revelation. So when you actually are looking at the world around you, for example, I just had—there's a friend of mine, Miss Titus. She's a YouTube influencer. She did a video critiquing Beyonce's church girl. Now, there are people— who would talk about Jay-Z and Beyonce and their affiliations when they're doing the Illuminati and mm-hmm. and talking about those affiliations. But at the end of the day, the best way to critique people like that is to compare what they are contrasting with scripture. So my friend Miss Tides, what she did is she, she took Beyonce's lyrics line by line and critiqued it against Scripture. And I think that's ultimately the lens in which we should view uh, everything, the world the medium, how we talk to each other, how we relate to each other, how we love our neighbor, but even how we deal with the spiritual realm the lens that we have because we can't see the unseen realm with our naked eye the realm the lens that we have as christians is the lens of scripture and that and that's the measuring point to judge all things in all worldviews whether it's the cult whether it's the occult or even any any of the entertainment shows that you see as well too things like stranger things dr strange you need to be able to understand what are they depicting in that worldview and how do we measure that by scripture
0: yeah, that's a really good point, and y'all are kind of making me realize that even though I think a lot of the people who are trying to look for those hidden messages and music videos and different brands and things, they probably mean well, and maybe they feel like they are trying to help people be discerning, but as both of you pointed out, the really obvious contradictions between God's Word and what a lot of these celebrities and brands and you know musicians are doing are already there. They're already mm-hmm. observable, and they're also more important. So I, right. I think that since Symbol seeking can be a distraction also from actually just discerning between what the world is doing and what God's word says, which is both of you are saying that is far more important. People can kind of get themselves all wound up looking for different, you know, possibly demonic color combinations and, you know, the different influencers that they follow and miss that they need to be discerning between what. Is harmful or what is sinful, and what is actually glorifying to God, which is the much mm-hmm. more important mission. Yeah. Um, now, if you have anything to add to that, feel free, Andrew or Jeremiah. But I was going to well, also transition yeah. to demonic oppression. But go ahead.
1: Yeah, but I was just going to also add to that one of the most important uh, things to consider when you're looking at the world of uh, the occult, and especially when it comes to people who try and practice, uh, you know, quote unquote, discernment, but using symbolism because it's very subjective. It's very arbitrary when in fact as Christians, biblical law and God's standards of uh, accusations that you have to have two to three independent lines of testimony and witness in order to formulate an accusation. And so there are a lot of times where people have made accusations against our podcast, just saying that somehow uh, we're secretly uh, Freemasons just because of, you know, there's one angle where I turned my head left and there's a slight (laughs) shadow that went over my eyes and so therefore that that's how people believe that was somehow we're illuminati right. and there are people who live in that world but i think it's also something just to understand that people who do come out of the new age they tend to have that mindset just because when you're in the new age you have this level of confidence that you know so much that you are in the know and all of a sudden when when someone who's heavily into the new age whatever it is when they come to christ They come to this realization that no what i was into and there's things that i saw that i should not have seen this was all satanic deception Mm. and so i think what happens as a byproduct they tend to swing over to the other to do a heavy pendulum swing where it's it's almost a level of reverse pantheism where they think the devil is in everything Mm. and this is not this is not to mock or to write them this is just this is just my experience I want to be able to help these people and help disciple these people. We want, and that's part of our ministry too, is that we want to be able to help resources for so people who come out of the New Age or any cult. We want to also help them get solid planting uh, yeah. as well too. But it is very, you need to be very very careful with how, when you look at the different whether it's a Masonic symbol. Uh, a pentagram. It's a lot of those things do have meaning, but they have their place and you, you have to be careful not to leave the cart before the horse.
0: Yeah. And some of them are obvious. I think like Converse was one who did like a a very obviously satanic symbol and that was clearly like their motivation behind it. They weren't hiding right. it. Um, But I think I I, or a conference I was a part of was accused of something like that that you were talking about. You know, you were accused of being the Illuminati because of a shadow because we were a lot of us wore pink and black because we kind of all decided it was a women's conference and we thought that that was and you know some people thought that that's satanic when really it's just like oh that color combination is cute there's nothing beyond that so it can also distract Mm -hmm. you from again who is in christ and who is not a tree is known by its fruit not these kind of secret symbols um super interesting i think that's really important for people to know i think conservatives especially can kind of get caught up in that because we are so naturally mistrusting of the powers that be probably for a good Mm -hmm. reason but we should be using discernment and trying to figure out what is actual fruit and what is not okay next sponsor for the day is hunter douglas hunter douglas offers unique shade designs that uh, diffuse raw sunlight, casting a beautiful glow across the room. And they also offer superior insulation for your home. That means that you can save money by having Hunter Douglas shades in your house so you can stay warmer in the winter, Cooler in the summer. Plus, they look really good. And one of my favorite things about them is the PowerView automated shade technology. So you can actually schedule your shades to automatically adjust depending on the time of day. So you can let the light in slowly as you wake up, you can adjust to block the light at midday. You can raise them just in time to see the sunset. So many good things about Hunter Douglas. My parents have been using Hunter Douglas shades in their home for a really long time. They swear by them, love them, love how they look, love how they work. Check it out for yourself. Go to hunterdouglas.com slash today for your free design guide. That's a style gets smarter design guide for fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's hunterdouglas.com slash Allie, hunterdouglas.com slash Allie. Now, Andrew, I do want to talk about, um, we're talking about this kind of already, but specifically demonic possession or demonic oppression. I got a lot of questions about what does that Actually, look like? Some people asked, okay, depression and anxiety, is that demonic oppression? Is sickness demonic oppression? Psychotic episodes, are people actually possessed by demons today? Is all of what we're talking about witchcraft, is that demonic possession? So, what exactly is it? What should the Christian know about it? What should we be looking for?
2: Yeah, wow, that's a, those are a Big lot of question. really. Yeah, they're big questions and they're great questions. I'd say with sickness or in health, I mean, uh, the Bible says it can be to one of, it could be, you know, multiple things. Jesus was healing people, healing people. And people were like, Hey, was it because their parents sinned and things of that nature? And Jesus said, Mm -hmm. no, it's just so the works of God may be manifested in me today. So we know that sickness can also be demonic as well. I mean, we live in a world that, uh, that that sin is a sin is a real thing. It can uh, affect us spiritually and physically, and uh, demonic possession, oppression. What does it even look like today? I mean. We know when uh, we all heard about the Roe vs. Wade reversal, there was many people with massive outcries and uh, that are, let's say, they're for uh, murder of babies in the womb. And it looks very much so like demonic possession or maybe oppression happening where it's being manifest through people's actions. But what I find most interesting about the Bible is it actually talks about how wicked we are, right? A lot of the times we like to take the focus off of ourselves. And say, oh, it must be demonic or this person might be influenced. But it says in Romans that we're inventors of evil, right? No one seeks God. No one understands God. Our throats are an open grave. Uh, The venom of asps is under our lips. So I think the, the main focus that we should have in this situation is actually looking at ourselves. I think the human tendency... Right is that of Satan. Uh, in the garden, we fell because what did we say we said we don't want to listen to the words of God. Instead, we want to do what we want to do. Try to essentially dethrone God. The very same thing Satan did. So humans have the tendency as well to be extremely evil. I don't think uh, demonic oppression and possession looks the same as it did in Jesus's time. I think there was a very specific reason for it and why Jesus showed up at the time that he did and why demonic uh, possession was so rampant then. I think Jesus actually changed that in his death, burial and resurrection. I believe that Satan is bound uh, today because the strong man is bound while the kingdom of God plunders through uh, was once the kingdom of Satan. So. Uh, it's an interesting dynamic to think about, but I think we lose focus when we look too much at things looking for the demonic. I think we need to look at ourselves first in our relationship Mm. with God in order to truly love neighbor. We need to be focused and captivated on Christ in order to actually live as Christians should live. Does that make sense a little bit?
0: Yeah, it does. Jeremiah, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Well, yeah, I think it's also uh, very important when you look at the world of the demonic realm, especially when it comes to demonic uh, possession versus oppression, is that first of all, we tend to view that through the lens of Hollywood. I mean, there's usually several movies that come out a year that have to do something, some sort of horror movie about someone being demonically possessed. uh, And it happens all the time. It goes all the way back to the film The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times there, what you actually... Actual exorcisms and how they take place are stark contrast to uh, what happens in real life? So, for example, there was somebody that we had actually on the podcast. It's one of our uh, episodes we did about a year and a half ago, called "The Exorcism of Chris Bellamy." And so, we had a pastor that was on, along with uh, this lady that was attending uh, his congregation. Uh, this lady came from a very a uh, background of witches. She, her uh, her genealogy traced all the way back to the to the Salem witch trial to the to uh, Salem, Massachusetts, and so. But when this deliverance happened the pastor wasn't even looking for it he uh, really preached the gospel to her they went to uh, baptize her and in this river in west virginia and there were some very strange things that happened when you actually look at the video that took place uh, of this of when this happened It does not look at all. I mean, it looks like she's being baptized. It looks like she kind of stumbles a little bit as she's going into the water. However, we know that there's a spiritual realm, but there's also a physical realm. I mean, there's a physical realm, but there's also spiritual truth being told behind that. And so you have three multiple independent lines of testimony coming together independently to say there was something weird going on that happened there. And at the end of the day, we know that Scripture talks about about Christ who rescues those from the domain of darkness and transfers them into the kingdom of of his beloved son. And so that's ultimately uh, what you see there. And I think also there's also a danger as well, too, to be able to say there's a demon behind everything where there's the demon, there's the demon of gluttony. There's the demon of lust. There's the demon of this, the demon of that. When the reality is, is that that's your own sin. That's, that's your responsibility. There's a, there's a danger as well, too, in the, the fact that the devil made me do it. And also, I think there's a danger as well, too, in people who do, at, at quote-unquote, exorcism ministries for a living, because I think that is dangerous as well, too, because the most— I mean, our past pastor Jeff—he did a deliverance once as well too, and he wasn't looking to do it. He felt led to pray for this lady, and there's some some unique supernatural events that happened. I think there's a there's a. It's always important as we look at anything, to view it through uh, the lens of scripture as well too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now Jeremiah, you mentioned something earlier. You mentioned a couple things that we kind of went past that I'm sure people who are listening are like, wait, what? One yeah. was yoga. The other one was Stranger Things. And we've mm. talked with Doreen Virtue as well. And so we've talked about um yoga. You know, she actually changed my mind about yoga because I was of the belief, okay, how how can it be all that different from Pilates or from stretching? I'm not thinking of anything spiritual about it. Um right. And so... Jeremiah, what did you mean when you mentioned that yoga kind of was part of this occult world of trying to access another spiritual we- uh, realm?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting you asked that because whenever we make a post about it, it gets fiery. There's a fiery comment yeah. section right yeah. away. It becomes, a, it becomes a little bit of a free-for-all in the comment section. I think the question to ask when you look at the conversation regarding yoga is not to get super paranoid to sensationalize it. But just to ask a simple question, what is yoga? Is it just a stretching practice that just so happens to have some ancient spiritual spiritual components that you can separate yourself self from? Or is it fundamentally a spiritual practice that just so happens to have physical elements as a byproduct? In the same way, you would ask, is there are there physical components are there things that happen to your body physiologically if you're a muslim and you bow towards mecca when you're in that when you're in that position probably yes and so when you look at yoga as a whole we would argue that it is inherently a spiritual practice that just so happens to have physical components with it The the word yoga really means yoke, and it's really uh, yielding yourself really to different uh, ancient uh, Hindu deities. In fact, a lot of Christians over in India look at Americans in the West who are trying to make these justifications, and they're honestly asking, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because they they know what it is. And I know for me that when I started doing my own research and just started asking – started really being honest with myself – I remember just seeing videos of people who are in the new age doing yoga. I knew what they were doing. And I came to a point of conviction saying, I can't do this anymore. So I would just say for anyone who is trying to justify using yoga, maybe you're not liking that we're having this conversation. I would just say, really do your own research. We have a series called exploring the spiritual dangers of yoga, look into it and just ask yourself, can I fundamentally do this and be consistent with what we're called to be as a Christian, when it says present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and and just ask yourself the question. We we want people to come to their own conclusions, but at the same time, uh, do their own research. And we do have a lot of resources where people can find out about that.
0: And Andrew, I'm wondering if you can kind of respond to this because when I kind of would defend it, although I've never been someone who has really done yoga, I just didn't see. The harm in it, I guess, because of what Jeremiah just described, I thought that it's, you know, mostly a physical practice with physical benefits and the spiritual is just kind of a component of it, but you can do away with that if you don't want to. I've even seen some people say, well, we'll replace the kind of Hindu spiritualism of it with Christian spiritualism, and then we've redeemed the practice of yoga. And a lot of people use First Corinthians 8, 4 through 13 about meat sacrifice to idols. You know, it goes on to talk about not tempting your weaker brother, but really, it's fine if your conscience doesn't convict you eating meat sacrificed to idols. So some people kind of use this passage to try to defend yoga and say, okay, but we know that the Hindu gods are not real. We know that we're not really worshiping them. We know that there is one God. Why can't I practice the physical, you know, why can't I reap the physical benefits of yoga and still worship the one God? What would your response be to that?
2: Yeah, I'd say we as Christians have the tendency to fall prey to the same syncretism as uh, Israel, right? Like it's just something that's we want to innately so hard to justify within ourselves. Uh, with Corinthians, I'd say specifically yoga is not uh, a meat, right? This isn't a food. This isn't a sustenance. Mm. Uh, this is the idol itself these are the poses of the idol. This is a spiritual practice with spiritual ramifications. You can't just take something and syncretize it into your Christian beliefs, right? If you're going to do that, you must ask yourself the same with other things that are practiced uh, by people of Eastern religions, right? Uh, So we have to be consistent as Christians and apply that same standard to other things. Like, do you think it's okay then as well to synchronize the Enneagram? Right? Mm-hmm. That has ancient occultic origins. Uh, does, it's, it's, it's the same question. How consistent are you going to be in that standard then? Is it then okay, okay to reclaim child sacrifice in the name of Yahweh? Right? Yeah. Is it just purely a physical thing without any spiritual uh, ramifications. Uh, we we have to be consistent as Christians and yoga in itself is innately uh, spiritual as a practice. There are other things that can be done instead of these poses that represent uh, deities of the Hindu uh, religion.
0: Okay, another break to tell you guys about Birch Gold. I don't have to tell you inflation is real. You're feeling it. We're in the midst of a recession. You want to make sure that your savings are secure. You need to take a hard look at diversifying those savings into gold and silver. Text ALLY to 989898 to get a free information kit from Birch gold on how to diversify and protect your savings with precious metals with an a plus rating from the better business bureau countless five-star reviews and thousands of satisfied customers gold is the right investment to make now text ally to 989-898 and get real help from birch gold today again that's ally to 989-898 for that free info kit on gold jeremiah i do want to get you mentioned stranger things now i don't i don't know what you guys have talked about in regard to stranger things i have my husband and i watch stranger things um Mm -hmm. you know we were we were fans of it this last season was a lot darker and scarier than the other seasons so i mean tell tell me about it why did you bring it up earlier
1: yeah well it's interesting i i also uh i'm also a fan of the show and i i really enjoyed season four and i think there are people who even watch our show who might be surprised and ask us, "Well, why are you watching? Why are you watching a show like that?" Well, again, it's up to people's convictions what they do and don't want to watch. I mean, that's a matter of individual conscience. In this case, I think that to a certain no, degree, of course. Exa- yeah, exact, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think that when you look at good story, when you look at storytelling, good storytelling also mirrors other good storytelling. And I think at the end of the day, it's important to really understand the worldview that's becoming behind a show like Stranger Things. So, when you even look at Stranger Things 4, you look at one of the primary characters, Eddie Munson, and he's part of the Hellfire Club. And this is a group that's playing Dungeons and Dragons. And in all of a sudden, when there's this murder that takes place, spoiler alert if anyone hasn't seen the show, there all of a sudden there starts being these accusations that Eddie Munson was the person that committed this murder. Mm. Well, that idea didn't come out of a vacuum. What they're referring, because the show's obviously based in the 80s, is the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there were real legitimate cases where there was satanic ritual abuse. Uh, I've had conversations in private of people who uh, have experienced that sort of horrific abuse and the trauma that comes with that. But there's also examples where people sensationalize things, and as that, False accusations uh, come about, and that's a big part of what uh, happened in the 1980s. There was a there was a uh, book that came out, for example, in the 80s called Michelle Remembers, that was talking about this case of satanic ritual abuse. That book created a firestorm. You had people that were uh, women who were going into therapy, who were trying to uncover what was wrong with them, and they were all all these people were uncovering memories of horrific things that happened to them. Uh, many a times, you had people who were thrown. Uh, Into jail and thrown into prison, uh, wrongfully because of the fact that it was one person's witness against another. So they're they're talking about like a real real issue, and also in the same way, in the worldview of Stranger Things, I mean, you're looking at the upside down world where you're there's these other entities, dimensions, and powers, and so I think that's a catalyst for me to be able to have conversations with people about the true reality, ultimately, of what the Bible talks about. Because we might look at someone that, like a char- the character 11, or somebody who's been in the upside-down world, and they're trying to explain to people in the real world what happened and about this upside-down world, and people look at them like they're crazy. I think there is a good parallel, when, we, when we've had conversations with people who are in the, who were in the New Age and have come out of it, we know they've been in the upside this upside-down world. They've been in places they're not supposed to be. So when they're talking about being abducted at 3 a.m. in the morning and, and being tortured by little green men, and they don't know what's happening to them, they're terrified, or they their astral body is going out of their physical body, and all of a sudden they call out, and they're being demonically oppressed, and they have these entities attached to them, and they call out to the name of Jesus— and all of a sudden that stops and that leads them to a, uh, grab a Bible and all of a sudden realize that Jesus is uh, who Jesus is. That's a real reality. And a couple of years ago, I would have heard someone telling me that and I would have thought that they were crazy. Maybe this is all in their head. Maybe they just need to just calm down a little bit. But when you actually understand about what Scripture talks about the unseen realm and the dangers that come behind it, there's there's a reality that's being told to that. And I think Stranger Things actually does a really good job of depicting a lot of those true realities and way. And there's a lot that there's a lot of ways you can have conversations with your fellow person, uh, your friend, or whoever the way that we are having a conversation about it now. Andrew, what are your thoughts? What are, what are your thoughts? Because you watch the show too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What
2: what I think uh, essentially is that we have a zeitgeist, right? A spirit of the age uh, essentially now with this new neo-paganism and spirituality that is being uh, brought to the Americas. And I think what it is is really a rebounding of the most uh, prolific, like Thomas Paine, atheistic thought, right? We have society of people that have been told for so long that God doesn't exist. There's only the material world around us. And now there's this re-embracing of paganism because the offspring of these people Who were taught that there is no God now are searching for truth somewhere else, right? But the beautiful thing I find uh, within this is actually showing a longing in the human heart to understand uh, something that is outside the material, but Christianity is the only thing with a reasonable answer for it, right? These people who are going to neo-paganism and Stranger Things shows that this is something popular in our society, this is what the Bible says about people that do this. In Isaiah 47, 8 through 15, it says, now, therefore, hear this, you lovers of pleasure who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one beside me. So this mm-hmm. is uh, Isaiah's condemnation on Babylon, which is going on, or God's condemnation. But it, that, there's two key things happening here, is that the people that are going after other gods, they're usually lovers of self, and they sit and they say, I am right? Well, who Mm -hmm. is God? God is I am that I am. He is the eternal one, but these people want to do that and take that for themselves. So that's one thing that we must understand. So the zeitgeist of the age is showing that there is a longing, but they're looking at themselves to be gods, to give themselves a peace with God that they know part of them is broken. And it's not obtainable through their worldview. Christianity is the only reasonable answer to what is going on in the world today. So what I see when I'm looking at our society with this neo-paganism is actually a beautiful chance for the light of Mm -hmm. the gospel. To penetrate that much stronger in the world. I, I, I pray that there's a revival in a sense or a reformation in a sense. Because if we look back in time, especially in America's history, we have the first great awakening. And then after the first great awakening with Jonathan Edwards, we have the influence of uh, Thomas Paine and atheism. And on top of that, a rena- Renaissance thought uh, with alchemy and spiritualism that went influenced the Americas, where farmers were doing the farmer's almanac and things of that nature to try to find ancient. Uh, Uh, hitting gold uh, within their, within their land. But then what we're, what we're seeing is there's, there's a rebirth essentially of this magical worldview that is being influenced in our world today. Christianity is the only way to have an answer for that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, one that, just one last thing too. When it comes to the world of entertainment, it's just it's important to understand that whatever you're watching, that these ideas don't come out of a vacuum. So just real quickly as well, on top of Stranger Things, uh, Marvel's character uh, Doctor Strange, uh, the most recent movie that came out, I think it was the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, that whole movie is just a carnival of occultism. Uh, you see, uh, one of the powers that he ends up accessing later on in the film, you see there's an eye that opens up right above his forehead. Now, that doesn't happen in real life, but that's symbolic of what happens in the New Age, where you believe that you can open up your uh, third eye by doing certain things to activate your pineal gland, and that accesses dimensions that are spiritually dangerous. We have plenty of conversations about that. What you also see depicted in the film, you have uh, really rituals that are done in, at a, in a temple up on a mountain, that idea is not, it's not just, oh, that's a really cool set that'll look really cool. They're depicting a real spiritual reality that in the ancient world and in ancient paganism, the temples in which the the priests would always uh, get esoteric revelation from, there are always these temples up in the high places, and that was really, really in every ancient pagan nation that you you would really see that would happen many a time. So, what is being depicted as well in Doctor Strange, everything from the rituals to having you know uh, having you know candles in the circle and doing this ritualistic magic. It's important to understand the worldview being depicted behind it and how to engage it scripturally, but I think there is a real danger into going into a movie like that and thinking that everything being depicted in a film like Doctor Strange is just fantasy because they are depicting things that are real and we have to be able to give answers to.
0: Okay. Last sponsor for the day. I love this sponsor. They have been with Relatable for a really long time. So just for that, I love this advertiser and this their support of the show, but I also love the service and the product that they offer. That's Annie's Kit clubs. They offer a subscription crafting service both for you and for your kids. Their craft kits for kids are perfect for ages about seven to 12. You get a box of a craft with all the tools, the supplies, the instructions that you need right to your front door every month. And they have different crafts. So they have different kinds of STEM projects. If your kid likes technology and science, they've got jewelry making, they've got a young woodworker's kit. Your kids will love it. It's a great way for them. To to spend their Saturday afternoon in a way that is productive and creative. If you like crafting or you want to get into crafting, they've got an Annie's Creative Women's Club that you can check out as well. You can cancel at any time. It's month to month. If it doesn't work out for you, then you just cancel. No big deal, but I know you're going to love it. You can go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Get your first month 75% off. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie for 75% off your first month. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Well, there's so much more I want to talk about, and we'll have to do a part two to talk about the many other things that I have in my outline that we didn't have time to address. But just to close us out, I do want to read some numbers from a Pew Research study from 2018, and then just get uh, both of your encouragement to Christians who are navigating this world of the new age, of the occult, because as we've talked about many times, it really is ubiquitous, and it's often camouflaged in Christian-like language and in language that seems neutral, especially when it comes to the world of self-help for women and crystals and yoga and different parts of um, entertainment And this is disturbing because uh, Pew Research says that New Age beliefs are common among both religious and non-religious Americans. So about 60% of American adults, Pew Research says, accept at least one of these New Age beliefs, reincarnation, astrology, psychics, spiritual energy and physical objects. I'm guessing that's like crystals. Um, 47% of evangelicals, which that is disturbing, but that's actually the lowest percentage if you're looking at the particular categories that they break this down into, 70% of Catholics, that does not surprise me, 70% of Protestants in the historically Black tradition, 56% of agnostics. 80% of people whose religion is nothing in particular. Adults under the age of 65, those who have not graduated from college, racial and ethnic minorities, and Democrats are more likely to hold at least one new age belief so we're really swimming in this stuff even as christians even in the church almost half of evangelicals believe in one of these things i mean i had someone who was a part of my book club and it's a christian women's book club and she said that she can absolutely be a witch and be a christian at the same time she believes that god has gifted her these tarot cards yeah. and you know ability as a medium and you know rejects even the old testament warnings against that so All of what we're talking about, it really is ubiquitous in so many ways. Give Christians who want to arm themselves against this without being the paranoid people that are constantly looking for signs, like what should their attitude be? What should their focus be? Andrew, we can start with you and then Jeremiah, if you'll close this out.
1: Sure. Yeah.
2: I'd say Christianity in a nutshell, in order to think about these things biblically, number one, it's not about self-help. Right, it's about dying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "Pick up your cross and follow me." So the first thing we must understand, as humans, is we must be humble. We must first and foremost submit to God's word. And I think if you submit to God's word as the sole rule of faith and practice in your life, there's no way that you will fall prey to these practices because they are thoroughly condemned in the Old Testament. Uh, even if you, when you try to reject the Old Testament, for example, you're not using uh, the Bible as your sole rule of faith in practice. So what we need to do is we need to put God and his word first before ourselves. We need to die to ourselves. In order to actually even truly understand ourselves, we must be regenerated. God must put his spirit within us. And it says when he does that, he'll cause us to observe his statutes. What are his statutes? The law of God Though we're not perfect in every single way. what we would be is convicted when we do things that are contrary to His law. Leviticus 17, Deuteronomy 18, condemn uh, witchcraft, sorcery, divination, things of that nature. But what we need to do first and foremost, as well as Christians, is we want to follow Christ. We need to understand who He who He is and what He has done for us. We need to be thankful for our salvation. When we're not thankful for our salvation, remembering what God has brought us from spiritually dead into life, that we will look or uh, that peace and that care in other things, right? We'll fall prey mm-hmm. to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So be content with who you are in the situation that you're at. Look to be more sanctified, conformed to the image of Christ and not to the elemental spirits of the world with empty philosophy and deceit. Christ is con- he's conquered it all. He's a Lord, mm-hmm. not only of the nations, but he's Lord of your hearts. And you must remember that as Christians be humble, die to yourself, pick up the cross, follow Christ, and submit to his word.
0: Hmm. Jeremiah, now, I don't know, not everyone can see this because I wasn't on camera at the time. But interestingly enough, we just had our lights go out for a second in the middle of you uh, sharing the gospel, but we were were able to keep rolling. So thank God for that and just pray that we continue. So Jeremiah, Uh if you could share your final thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think when you're looking at the world of the New wages, is to understand, uh, I think, also, like, how did this come about – uh, you know, I think when you're looking at for example the deconstruction uh, movement that's happening right now, all the ex-evangelicals, I'm, you've had episodes where you've talked about that yourself there's people, I'm 41 years old there's people I know who I've done bible studies with, who I've done ministry with, who have now gone to the wayside and I think also there are a lot of people in that world, even in the evangelical world, have delved into the new age really as a byproduct of just evangelicalism as a whole where Walter Martin said that the, the cults the unpaid bills of the church where we didn't really confront these groups when they were up and coming. And now groups like Joseph Smith, Mary Baker, Eddie, uh, all these different groups have started. And because of that, now they have these giant organizations with millions and millions of members. I think in the same way that the, the occult and the explosion of the occult is also an unpaid bill of the Christian church, just because we've had all these, you know, very, uh, Watered down, wishy washy uh, gospel. When you're looking at discipleship, a lot, there's not really discipleship with kids growing up. There's not really mm-hmm. a, a, fam- a centralized, the father isn't spiritually leading in the home. And so there's a spiritual vacuum that, that people are longing for true spiritual answers, and they're not giving it with an evangelical wishy washy gospel. So what you need to understand is it's very easy to uh, look at Everything that we've talked about in the New Age, whether it's uh, whether it's the occult, whether it's seances, whether it's witchcraft, all those things, it's very easy to get fearful and even get angry at those very people on witch talk. But it's important to understand that in Ephesians 6, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against forces of darkness uh, against the principalities and power uh, powers uh, and powers that be in fact it also says that the god of this age has blinded those from seeing the light yes. of the glory of the gospel of christ so we need to understand that these people they are looking they have a jesus-shaped hole and they're trying to find really wholeness and fulfillment in which they can only find in christ and that's why the late dr Walden. i would recommend you get a copy especially of this book uh, kingdom of the occult it's a very i mean it's a thick book and it goes to show that there has to be better, you have to give good answers that are bigger than Jesus tells me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Uh, but he, the late Dr. Walter Martin, he had a point, he was closing out in one of his lectures. and I remember this just like, always, it's always hit me when I, when I heard him say this. He said, help us to have compassion and the love of Christ for these people that are seeking help, but not from thee, but from the forces of evil. And I think at the end of the day, that's that's what's really happened. A lot of these people who are witches, mediums, astrologers, uh, warlocks, who are doing all these things, they come from a very broken background. They've experienced a lot of trauma in their life. And they're desperately trying to find emotional healing, fulfillment, in all of these esoteric practices. But in reality, what they think they're finding fulfillment at least on the surface level, but but there's this there's satanic deception behind it. So I think we need to not fear it, but we need to have Christ as the authority, because the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we need to be able to confront these worldviews. But you don't you want to make sure when you're talking with your friend who's in the new age, you're not trying to win an argument. The goal is not to be right this is a real spiritual discussion that you're this is a real spiritual battle that's that's happening back and forth so you need to make sure that when you're giving apologetic answers it's not just about refuting them answering them but really having prayer being part of it as well too so i think there's a very that's it's a that's maybe an example of a good holistic approach so uh, yeah, yeah i really appreciate you having us on and we would love to talk there's a lot further i'm sure we could explore yes. But uh, yeah, we really appreciate the time
0: uh, to be able to talk with you today. Well, thank you so much. And I know it can just kind of be um, frightening and feel heavy when Christians are thinking about this stuff and and looking at this, looking at lost things and lost people often does make us sad. But thank you guys for bringing it. (laughs) always back to the gospel and reminding us that we as Christians already have victory in Christ. And so I just want to read this from the end of Romans 8, just to remind people of whose we are and who we are. And I wish I could read this whole passage, but starting at verse 35, "...who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword?" passage says that our battle is against the cosmic powers, the powers over this present darkness. Well, not even those powers can separate us from the love and the strength and the power of Christ. And that is where our hope and our peace lies. So thank you guys so much for representing that so well. I really appreciate it. Encourage everyone to check out the Coltish podcast, to follow you guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on.
1: Thank you. Thank you.